35 to 39, right? All right, so let's not just stand, but let's anticipate that God's word is not only going to speak to us through his written word here, but, but through the preaching this morning. Uh, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby village so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So we traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Let's can have a seat. Good morning. If you're here for the first time, I'm Chris, one of the pastors here. Good to have you. Really good to have you. If you were here two weeks ago, if you've not been a first-time guest, but you're, you've been around, you might have caught that this is a passage we read two weeks ago. I mean, you might be wondering if I'm preaching the same message I did two weeks ago. Uh, that would be easy. But no, uh, we're going to hit this from a, a different angle today. We've been in a series called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. This is a nine-week campaign that our church is in this fall. A lot of our life groups are discussing this together, talking about it. There's a book that many of you are reading the purpose of this study is to become more emotionally mature because you can't separate spiritual maturity from emotional maturity. We can't say that we're spiritually mature if we have a lot of Bible knowledge, are very active in our church, uh, but then hold grudges towards family members or flip out in traffic or get offended easily or anxious about many things. So those are areas that we want to dig into during these nine weeks. Um, two principles that we've covered so far about how to uh, gain or attain and maintain emotional maturity. Uh, the first principle was uh, about avoiding the human doing trap. We need to take time to be with God so that he can remind us that, hey, I love you just as you are. You don't have to earn. You don't have to do. You don't have to accomplish for me. I love you. You're declared righteous. You're adopted in my family. And so we need to take time to let him remind us of that, to be still and know that he is God. We do that uh, intentional times throughout the day, maybe in the morning, maybe the evening, where we sit with him. Don't just read the Bible, but let the Bible read us. And then spontaneous moments when we're feeling anxious, when we get that email, when we're in that meeting and we go, oh, I'm starting to feel defensive here or I want to justify myself. We pause and go, God, what's going on in my heart? Show me. Remind me that I'm loved by you. I don't need to justify, explain, defend. We could do that together. Our youth leaders uh, met the other day for their um, monthly meeting and Justin Garden was telling me that instead of doing what they normally do, which is to plan and strategize and then pray over those plans, what they did was they took like 25 to 30 minutes together to pray, to hear from God, to listen together, and then they planned in light of their prayers. Let their prayers inform their planning. So, you know, different ways we can do that, but they're trying to just apply that. Second principle that we talked about last week was about following the crucified and not the Americanized Jesus. And how we can't let our desires, our appetites, our, ambitious, our um, ambitious, uh, ambitions and need for approval to be elevated too high. We can't cling to them too tightly because Jesus might say, hey, I want you to let go of that. I want you to sacrifice that. I want you to come over here. New season. Let that go. And we need to be willing to go, okay. Everything I have is yours. Everything submitted to you. 
One example I was reminded of this past week um, is from the history of our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. The founder, his name is A.B. Simpson, and uh, I shared this with those of you who were fasting on Thursday, um, but I, I wanted to share it again. He was the pastor of a very prestigious church in New York City in the late 1800s. And, and he had a high-paying salary. He had security. I mean, you know, talk about uh, uh, American Christianity. He had it. But he felt called to go down to the docks in, in New York City to start to minister to immigrants and prostitutes and the people on the margins. And then he wanted to bring them into his church community. But the people in the church community, the hoity-toity folks in New York were like, no, not those types, not in our pews. And so he was at a crossroads. And so what he decided to do was say, well, screw that. I'm going down to the docks. And he let go of his salary. He let go of his position. He let go of all the, uh, the peas that we talked about last week, right? And said, I'm going to follow my crucified Savior wherever he goes. And that's how our denomination got started, that movement. Today, what we're going to talk about is embracing God's gift of limits, Embracing God's gift of limits for us. We're all limited. We know that in theory. I've always wanted to fly. I can't fly. Like I can't, you know. I tried different things as a kid, jumping off the roof and coming up. Okay, I can't fly. Can't go back in time. I've always wanted to do that. Not at the moment, at least. There's, there's, there's uh, laws of science that prevent us from doing certain things that we might want to do. There's limits to our gifts and our, and our abilities. When I was a kid, I wanted to play Little League Baseball for a moment. My brothers played. They were really good. My dad coached. I wanted to fit in. So I told my mom one day, okay, I want to sign up for Little League Baseball. And I remember I was throwing a ball up in my basement trying to hit it. And then my dad came down the stairs. And he sat on the stairs. He's watching me. He said, I heard that you want to sign up for Little League. I said, yeah. And I'm trying to hit the ball. I'm missing it. And he's like, in a very gentle way, very, very, very sensitive. <laughs> He said, no, you ain't going to be good at baseball. You're going to find something else. Now, was I crushed? Did I end up in counseling about that years later? No, I just got redirected to other things because uh, there was a limit to what we're able to do. So we know this in theory. We know this in theory. And yet our culture, not just American culture, but our postmodern culture tells us you can go for your dreams. You, go, you can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. And we tend to push the envelope. We tend to see limits as a bad thing that I have to overcome. I have to push past it. And it bleeds into the church and we overextend ourselves and we take on too much and we say yes to too many things and we feel like we just can't say no or we can't let somebody down. And we end up overextended. We end up doing more than we, can, we should be able to do. The first time, I mean, it, I, I said this in an email yesterday. This is one of the principles that I struggle with historically. I've struggled with over my life more than the other ones. I remember the first time it hit me that, wow, there's not enough hours in the day. I was a freshman. I was a, yeah, freshman year. So spring of my freshman year. I remember I was getting out of the shower at night. And my whole family was sleeping, including my parents. And I remember thinking, why is everybody else asleep? Why am I up still? I had just been, had a full day. I had school, track practice. I had, um, I had this mentoring for filmmaking that I was doing with a family friend. I had homework. I think I had a paper. And I remember getting out of the shower, kind of like, I got to do all this tomorrow? What am I doing? And I remember sitting on the floor with my towel around me thinking, I, I can't keep this up. This is too much. There's not enough hours in the day. I don't have enough energy for this every day. 
I can't be going to bed this late every day. It was the first time I remember feeling that way, but it certainly wasn't the last. Over the next, you know, 25, 28 years, there was many days where I was sitting on the bathroom floor or sitting on an office floor or sitting in front of a computer or sitting in traffic going, what am I doing? How did I end up here? Why did I say yes to this? How did I end up having this meeting? How did I end up having this party to go to after this one? What made me think I could accomplish this? What made me think I was gifted at that? And, and you know what the symptoms, some symptoms are that we are overextended, that we are not embracing, that limits God has put on us? I'm going to go through a few symptoms. I want you to just see, hey, are any of these true for me? You ready? It leads to anxiety. Now, I'm not saying anxiety is always traced back to us not embracing our limits, but it, that could be it. Anxiety like, oh no, I've committed to so much, what if I don't get it all done? Think about how many of you guys feel during Christmas season. Hmm? I have so much to do still. Reality, you don't have to do 90% of what you do at Christmas. But we put our pressure on ourselves. Oh, I have to do it. I have to do it. And then there's anxiety. Right? Just, just preparing for the season that's coming up. You don't have to do a lot. And if you do, don't say Jesus is the reason for all the anxiety that you have. Shame. We put too much pressure on ourselves and then we drop balls. We let people down. We have to say no and then we, feel, then we beat ourselves up. Oh, man. Because we're falling into the human doing trap, which leads to us not embracing our limits. And we beat ourselves up because we can't do all that we set out to do. Grumbling. Maybe we submit to God's limits on the outside. So uh, an example, a single person might realize, okay, God's given me singleness right now. Wish I was married, but I'm single. And maybe you're not compromising by dating somebody who's unhealthy. That would be, um, you know, just outright disobedience to God. But maybe on the inside, there's a grumbling spirit. There's a self-pity like, oh, that's not fair. That's another indicator that we're not really fully embracing God's gift of limits. I can't do what that person's doing or I'm not in the season of life that that person is and that's okay. But when we don't feel like that's okay, we fall into the grumbling trap. Dropping balls. If you take on too much, then you can drop balls, let people down. And sometimes it's simply because we've committed to too much. And then laziness. I think, you know, this might seem counterintuitive. Um, but what I think sometimes happens is we take on so much. We think we can accomplish so much. And then we, like, shut down. Ever happen to anybody? You just, you just sprint. And then you collapse. And people are like, hey, what's up with so-and-so? They said they were going to do a million things, and now I can't reach them. And they just emotionally shut down because we haven't paced ourselves. Any of these resonate? Okay. So if that's true, then, then lean into this. Let's, let's trust that God's going to show us some things. We're going to jump into the scripture that um, Bob McDonough just read from Mark chapter 1. Excuse me. And then we're going to touch on a few other passages. So, Lord, speak to us about this. Limits aren't a bad thing. Help us to see that, Jesus. Help us to see that limits are not a bad thing. Help us to embrace the season of life that we're in, the gifts that we have, and not try to be 
someone that you haven't designed us to be or be in a season that you haven't called us to yet. In your name, amen. I will say this, there are, there are limits that are not from God, and, and we're going to talk about that in our life groups this week. There's limits that are not from God. There are things in the Bible that about, you know, God would say, don't accept that, you know. Struggles with sin, things from the kingdom of darkness, sickness and disease. Like, that's not limits that like, oh, I guess I'm just supposed to struggle with this. That's not. But we're going to look at some things that are. So very early in the morning, while it was still dark, this is Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This is what we looked at two weeks ago. Avoid the human doing trap. Go be with God. Spend time with God like Jesus did. He went to be with his father. We focused on that piece two weeks ago. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, right? That indicates some excitement. Everyone is looking for you. If you remember, the night before, Jesus had been healing a bunch of people, casting out demons. And so now, Simon and the other disciples find Jesus and they're like, yo, everybody's still looking for you. Like, you're blowing up over there. Come on back. There's more people to heal. People want you. They want to see you. They want your autograph. You're popular here. They're excited. They're like, yo, this thing is happening. But look how Jesus responds. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. He's going to announce the kingdom of God is here. That's why I have come, he says. The Father is sending me from village to village to announce the good news of the kingdom. It's here. I'm not to stay in one place and meet every single request that people have of me. And so he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. He had to be obedient to his father. And in order to be obedient to his father, he had to say no to another group of people in Capernaum where they were leaving. To say yes to God, to fa the, God the Father. He's God the Son. He had to say yes to his father. He had to say no to some people. He had to tell his disciples, no, we're not going to be driven by the demands of people. We're not going to be driven by what other people want of us. We've got to listen to our Father. So we're going here. Because Jesus was a human. Fully God, but fully human. And so to be fully human, he had to embrace human limitations. He emptied himself of his divine privileges. Like he could fly at any minute. He could start flopping his arms and fly. But he chose to live as a human. God is omnipresent. But he chose to live as a human. He couldn't be everywhere at once as a human. So he couldn't meet everybody's needs at once. He had to say yes to the Father, which means he had to say no. And yet, what do we tend to do? We forget that, yeah, we say yes, we forget that we're human. If it was me, let me just be honest, because this is the one I've struggled with historically. If it was me in that spot, and I'm praying, and I feel like God the Father is saying, hey, I want you to move on over here. And then my, my boys come and say, hey, yeah, but all these people want you over here. First of all, my ego would probably get stroked. Oh, I feel important, feel liked, feel wanted. And then here's what, here's what I would be tempted to do. I'd be like, you know what? We're going to obey God and go over here. But I bet we can squeeze it all in. I bet we can squeeze it in. 
If I time it just right, you know, three minutes with each person, how many people can there be, right? That'll be this amount of hours. We can get over to that village by one o'clock. It's a little later than we thought, right? And then all of a sudden, I'm operating out of a hurried and harried pace, no longer a human being, now a human doing. Anybody else have that tendency? I'll squeeze it all in. I'm invited to three places on Thanksgiving. I'll squeeze it all in. Can't say no. A few years ago, uh, Nancy Mashensky in here, she, there was something going on that I was trying to do with, you know, as, as a church, and she, had, she said, it, it feels like you're trying to take a 20-pound gorilla and squeeze him into a 10-pound bag. And I remember thinking, that's kind of an exaggeration. It's more like a 20-pound gorilla in an 18-pound bag. And I think if we pushed on his head and squeezed his arms and really stomped on him, we could get him in that bag. Just a little effort. That's the story of my life. I know there's limits. I just tend to draw the limits a little further than I think God sometimes wants me to. And I've tried to grow in that area. The elders confronted me at one point. They're like, listen, Chris, the 15 prayer goals that you have for our church are good. But there's too many of them. They're like, we can't even think about them, let alone pray for them, let alone work on it as a church. You've got everybody going in different directions. And so they've really confronted me about narrowing things down, saying no to things, even saying no to my own ideas, and whittling things down. What are our priorities right now? That's why there's a lot of no's. If you guys are like, how come there's so many no's around here? That's why. Because my tendency is to say, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, sounds good. And then people are going, wait, what? How did we have three things on the same week for our church community? And then there's relationships that God would have us in each season focus on. But we can't focus on relationships that he called us to in the past and then also build new ones in the future. Like our technological age will have us believe we can stay close to everybody that we've ever met before in our entire lives. All right? When I moved from L.A. back to New Jersey, I thought I was going to stay close to all the people that I was close to. I didn't take into account that, wait a second, I'm moving on to a new church community, building new friendships, I only have so much time. Even if it's like, yeah, I can call them, but you can't spend that much time on the phone when you're building new relationships. When people leave a church, leave True Life, hey, we're going to stay close. We're going to keep in touch. But you're going to go to another church and hopefully build relationships there. And so you're going to have to let something go. How do we know who to spend time with in any given season? That's prayer. That's time with God, right? Like Jesus did. That's spending time with him. I do think the Lord gives us um, a factor to con consider that many of us don't often consider in our technological age, and that's where we live. Acts 17 tells us, we don't have time to get into it, but that God determined the boundaries where everybody lives. The time, the time in history, and the boundaries. So 2023 is when we live right now, right? I live in Brick, but I also live in a particular neighborhood of Brick. I want to own that. My family wants to lean into that. We, we, we said for a while we wanted to get to know our neighbors, but we weren't always making space for it. In the last couple of years, we tried to make more space for that. And, and then I, I was reminded the other day, look, God's been blessing that. At seven in the morning on Friday, I was reading out on my front porch. My neighbor Gail came over to tell me a story about something that happened. And then at 7.30, our neighbor Jenna dropped off her son Griffin, who hangs out with our girls for the first hour before they all get on the bus 
and uh, I take a, a weekly or bi-weekly walk with another neighbor. God's enabled us to build these relationships. Our neighbors have been a blessing to us, but it's because we may have made space in the last couple of years for that. And you know what it cost us to make space? Saying no to other things. Saying no to other relationships that maybe God's not calling us to focus on in this particular season. I want you to look at a moment in Paul's life in the book of Acts. This is Acts 16. This is Luke wrote the book of Acts and he's following Paul's ministry. Uh, in verse 6 it says this, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So let's just pause there. They're traveling around. They're preaching the gospel. That's a good thing. Right? I mean, that's the best of things, preaching the gospel. They wanted to go to the province of Asia, which would be Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. They wanted to go there, but they were kept from doing it by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say by the devil. By the Holy Spirit. Now, I think if there was like an inward impression that Paul had, like, you know what? The Holy Spirit's leading us elsewhere. I think Luke would have used different language for that. Felt compelled, felt directed to go elsewhere. I think what this indicates is that it was circumstances that shut the door. They just couldn't get there. And instead of saying, oh no, this is a barrier. We got to pray through. The devil's stopping us. They said, you know what? The Holy Spirit's stopping us. He's redirecting us. They gave him the credit. Maybe not now in Turkey, in modern day, in, in the province of Asia. He's redirecting us. Verse 7, when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not let them do that. Would not allow them to do it. So again, the Holy Spirit stopped them from entering Bithynia. And they gave credit to the Spirit of Jesus for that. Is it possible, let me just ask you guys, is it possible that something that you want to do, that you believe God would say, this is excellent, noble, good goal. Is it possible that he's still saying, not yet. Put a pause on that. Not yet, or not now, or not here, or not in this way. Is that possible? A year ago, I found myself in a season where after praying for multiple years about going back to school, I started it back. Um, after praying about uh, finishing a, a book on the resurrection of Jesus, I was in the middle of that. And I was also working on a business plan for a coffee muffin shop that's been a dream of mine for a couple years. I was talking to Rich and Amy Brecca. They were giving me mentoring and stuff in that area. And I just found myself in a moment where I was like, wait a second, this is an addition to pastoring true life, being a husband, father, my kids are active. And I was just like, I don't know. I believe God's saying yes to these things, but I don't know if he's saying yes now. And I had to put something on pause and I had to put the coffee shop on pause for the moment while still praying, all right, God, so that I was able to finish that, that book. And now I'm just asking God, okay, what's, what's the focus in the next season? It can't do it all. Because my tendency, I know, is to think, oh, good idea, God, yes. And assume that means now. Maybe not. Another area uh, that we can't really break down too much, but I want to touch on it for our church, embracing the limits of our marital status. 1 Corinthians 7, Matthew 19 allude to this. Some people are called to be married. Some people are called to be single. Um, Paul, and, and, and I think Jesus' life, would say that you are more limited if you're married. 
Our culture says you're limited if you're single. Our culture says that if you don't have some kind of romantic relationship in your life, then you are like someone without two arms. That's the way, that's the message that our culture sends. But the scripture would say you're actually more limited if you're married. And either way, there's limitations for both. Either way, we have to embrace it. This is where God's called us to right now. And it's good and it's right. And both singleness and marriage reflect God's love for the church in different ways. And we need to embrace that and we need to own that and we need to be thankful for that. And we also need to empathize with each other. Single folks, yeah, there's some limitations, especially in the area of uh, celibacy and sexual purity that you're called to if you're single and you're following Jesus and that's hard. And um, married people, we have to refrain from telling our single friends silly things like, don't worry, God's got someone for you. Because that might not be the case because some people are called to be single. Singleness is not a disease that God promises to heal. And sometimes we treat it like that. Don't worry, God's going to heal you of this. I know it. You won't be single. For no, it's a gift to own, embrace, and be thankful for because it allows us, as Paul said, to be more devoted to Christ. Because married people, we know, we can't always make big decisions without having to talk to somebody. Hmm? I feel called to do this. I feel called to give this money or feel called to make this decision. I better check with Jess. And then Jess like, I ain't feeling called to do that. And I got to pray for God to fix her. And I got to wait on him to do that. And I can take some time. <laughs> so in theory, we talk to each other about big decisions. And sometimes it, it puts a pause on things we feel one of us feel, feels called to. But that's a gift of limitations that we need to embrace. Having kids is another limitation. You know, I can't say yes to everything I used to be able to say yes to socially. And then there's gifts with our personalities and giftings and talents. And again, I can't unpack all this, but um, God's wired us differently. He's gifted us differently for the purpose of the body of Christ, fully expressing who Jesus is. We need each other. We need all kinds. And that doesn't mean our gifts don't change. Our spiritual gifts are dynamic. And in different seasons, we might have different gifts we're operating in. Different skills can be developed. Maybe even our personalities change. And yet... In each season, we have to embrace, this is where I'm at. I'm more introverted than people think. I'm outgoing, but I'm an introvert. And so I need a lot of time away from people to recharge. So I have to realize that. And sometimes God stretches me, but even when in seasons of him stretching me, I have to snap back and go, okay, just need time alone now. This is why if we're going to a social thing with a group of people, I like to not carpool. I like to drive on my own. I try to explain that to some folks, and I think they get offended. Um, but I just I want to drive on my own. I want to recharge. I want to be. Uh, on weekends, Jess and I, we're both kind of like that, so we try to make sure we have at least one night between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday where we're just home, not doing anything. If we got something scheduled on Friday and Sunday, then Saturday's like home. We're not doing nothing. So if somebody says, hey, what, you got plans tonight? We're kind of like, sort of. Our plan is to not say yes to any plans tonight. <laughs> We're going to try to avoid that. It doesn't matter if it's our favorite people. So we just need that. We need to embrace our, our limits. I don't do well in large crowds for too long. Um, so we just need to embrace that because it's not a bad thing. Now, yes, God calls us to moments of being stretched. Absolutely. And again, that's where discernment comes in. 
And then limits as a church community, I want to mention briefly. It's not just us as individuals, but as a church community. Each church is called to certain things, and we can't be everything. That's where every church that fills the kingdom of God comes in. We can't be like the church that you came from. Well, we did this and this work. We, we might not be called to that. We can't do everything. Calendar space only has so much space. Finances. I'll give you an example. Our board approves the money that our mission committee sends out to different organizations that we support. So the mission committee is Pam Hess, Bill Robertson, and Nancy Schiavo. They get the amount from the board that, they, that, that is approved, and they decide where that money is now going. So we support 15 to 20 organizations. Recently, I made a request to the mission committee. I said, hey, there's two other organizations that I've built relationships with. Can we support them monthly? Pam has sent me an email basically saying, no. Basically, I said, we're going to evaluate in 2024. So not right now. And for a second, I was like, really? You're going to say no to me? <laughs> for a second. And then I was like, praise God. Praise God. They felt like they could say no to me. That's why we have these checks and balances. Praise God that they're saying, hey, hold on. Let's not make a commitment to anything new yet until we can evaluate everything. Hold up, Pastor Chris. Maybe you didn't hear from God here, right? Praise God for that. That's a good thing. And we have to do the same thing with our, our calendar and events. And that's why we say, oh, hold on. This life group is doing this missions event. That's why we're not going to say yes to this event if we're going to try to get the whole church on board. There's limitations to what we can do so that we can continue to be the kingdom of God to the watching world. Because all of you are put in neighborhoods. Were you not? You have neighbors. And if we just fill our calendars up with church activity, you might not have space to engage with your neighbors or your coworkers or the people that God's put in your path. Denzel Washington said at a, um, I think it was Fordham University, he was speaking to the graduates. I think that's his alma mater. He said, busyness doesn't always mean productive. And I remember hearing that and going, oh, what a message for the church. Busyness doesn't mean productive. You can fill the calendar up with church things and feel like you're being spiritual, but it's actually not very mature. We need to say no so we have space to be present wherever God has placed us. Amen? Because here's the gift of limitations. Let me tell you the benefits of embracing our limits. Let me just go through four of them real quick. Number one, we avoid the human doing chap. When we can say no to something, I can't do that. I can't take that on. I can't go to there. We're saying no to the human doing chap. I'm not a human doing. I'm a human being. I can't do it all. And I don't have to. I don't have to. And that's a good thing. We keep our appetites, ambitions, and need for approval in check. It's a way to almost fast from our uh, desire to keep doing and moving and saying yes and pleasing people. We keep it in check by saying, you know what? I can't do that right now. I can't make that a priority right now. And that's a good thing. You're keeping that in check. Number three. We help empower other people to do, excuse me, what they need to do. Maybe some of you have experienced this. You have relationships with somebody who is um, very needy. 
and you've become everything to them. And so you, maybe you feel the pressure to always be on call for them. Anytime they call, whatever they ask for, you've got to be there. You've got to drop everything. Otherwise, who knows what's going to happen to them? And we put this pressure on ourselves. We feel like we need to always be there. And maybe it kind of strokes our egos because it makes us feel important. But what we might be doing is getting in the way of them growing and being empowered and stepping up. There's been times when somebody would call me and leave a message and say, it's an emergency, call me back right away, but not explain what it is. So I'll call them back the next day. And by that point, nine times out of 10, oh, don't worry about it, I, I figured it out. I talked to so-and-so. It's like, good, I'm not everything. I'm not your end all, I'm not your Messiah, I'm not Jesus. And by embracing our own limits, we're actually reminding ourselves and other people, there's a Jesus, I'm not it. He's provided the body of Christ, but no one person's gonna meet all your needs. They can't meet all your needs and it is sinful of them to try to meet all your needs. There's a savior, I'm not it. This is why when people say, oh, Chris, you must get phone calls all throughout the night. I don't know, phone's off. What if it's an emergency? 911. 911. <laughs> I'm not that important. I'm not that needed. If people can't get a hold of me, life goes on, the world keeps spinning, things are okay. Jesus is still on the throne. And then lastly, we exercise faith in God's goodness. When we embrace singleness or the season of life we're in, retirement, or the season of life our kids are in, when we embrace that and go, okay, it's chaotic. Okay. okay, my kids aren't sleeping through the night. Okay, I'm not that gifted here. When we embrace that, when we really embrace it at a heart level, we go, God, you're good. And I trust that. And by embracing these limits, I am expressing with worship, I believe you're good. You're good to me. You're going to fulfill my needs, even if I can't do this or that. You're going to fulfill me even if I can't say yes here, go there, please everybody who's making demands of me. You're good. So now, what we're going to do as, uh, as our response time, it's going to be different than we normally do it. Nine times out of ten, we, we end the, the, our, our time together we singing and, and more worship. Uh, but what we're going to do is a little more reflection and I'm going to call Mandy up here. She's just going to play the keys a little bit so that we can have some space to reflect. I'm going to walk us through some, some things to reflect on. What I want, I really want us to do, because, you know, this series, it's not just about nice ideas. We want to apply it, right? We want to be doers of God's word. We want to follow Jesus' example, being able to say no to some things. And so I really want us to walk out of here identifying one or two areas where we need to set up boundaries, embrace our limits, be more grateful for the season that God has put us in. Okay? So if you have a notebook or you use even your phone, just your phone, just be ready to take a note of what God might show you. Just make a mental note, whatever it takes. So before we really make a commitment to set a boundary or to embrace a limit. I think what's really important is that we identify reasons why we don't. Why do we push our limits? So let's just go back to the beginning of the sermon. How many people by a show of hands could say, yeah, I, anxiety, shame, dropping balls, shutting down, that can be true of me. Put your hand up. 
by a show of hands. Okay, okay, okay. So now, if you think it might be because you're not embracing your limits, let's think about why that might be. What's really underneath that that we need to repent of? Because all the time management books in the world, if we're not dealing with the underlying heart issue, they won't help. So here are some reasons that come to mind. And I'm just going to ask, Lord, speak to us. Show us. Are any of these true for us? Number one, chasing approval and praise. Do you have trouble embracing your limits because you're chasing approval and praise? You want people to like you, think well of you, be impressed by you. You want to be the person who can always come through. Lord, is that true for anyone in here? Show them. Next possibility is ambition. I want to accomplish. I want to achieve a lot. I'm after success. I want to feel important. I want to feel like I'm making a difference. I want to feel like I'm having an impact. I'll admit this one can be the one for me. It's not necessarily people's praise, but it's just a feeling of, I set out to do this and I did it. I checked all these things off my to-do list. Heck, it could be things around the weekend, like things around my house. If I don't get it done, I can feel like, ah, falling into the human doing trap because I want to justify my day by accomplishing things. That's something I need to repent of. Is that the case for anybody else? Lord, show us. Another example, greedy for experiences. Life is good and God has provided many things in our world to experience, but there's limits to what we can fit in. And sometimes we can get greedy. Sometimes I'm late for things, or oftentimes I'm late for things, not because I forget what time it is, but because I think I can squeeze one more thing in. And I get greedy. I can do this and I can do that too. Kind of goes with like the fear of missing out, right? FOMO. I say yes to four things on Thanksgiving day because I don't want to miss out. I'm greedy. I want to experience it all. Is that true for anyone else? Lord, show us. You're faithful. You're faithful. Next one, believing we need blank in order to be happy, whatever that is. I need something that I don't have, so I'm going to push past limits. I'm single and I need to be married in order to be happy so I can't embrace the limits I have and I'm going to grumble. 
the socioeconomic level that I'm at. I need more money to be happy. So I'm going to grumble. I'm not going to rest in this season or rest in the limits that God has put on me. Is that true for anyone else? Thank you, God, that you're faithful to show us. Next one is envy. You want what somebody else has. You go to your sister's house and you see how big it is and how beautiful it is and you come back much less content with your own house than when you went there. And you're like, ooh, maybe if I buy this, even though I don't have the money, I'll put it on credit. Or maybe if I work extra hours or push myself on the weekends, I can have a nicer place or I can have nicer things. And it's really motivated by envy. And that's not healthy. And that needs to be repented of. God, I'm sorry that I'm not grateful for what you give me. One more example. And there's probably more. Believing that this life is all there is. I think this might be fundamental underneath all of them. Believing that this life is all there is, so I have to experience it now, get the praise now, get the accomplishments in now, build the legacy now, be successful now. But if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've placed your faith in the one who lived, died, rose again for you, who is returning one day to usher in a new heaven and a new earth and to give us physical bodies beyond our imagination. If you believe in that God, that Savior, then guess what? This life is not all there is. You don't have to stress out about checking things off your bucket list because one day you're going to get the world. You're going to reign with Christ on that new heaven and new earth. So you will miss out on nothing. Every experience that you miss out on now, you'll experience then, maybe in a different form, but you'll experience then. And so if you're at a certain socioeconomic level and you always wanted to have a house over the water and you don't get it now, in a thousand years from now when you're at Jesus, you're not going to be like, you know what, Jesus, this is good, but I sure wish I had that house on the water back in the day. Because you get the world. If you're single now, you're not going to be a thousand years from now going, Jesus, you know what would make this whole experience better? If when I was alive on earth, I was married. Jesus would be like, I wasn't married. I'm the happiest being in the world. I wasn't married. I didn't experience it. I created it. I didn't experience it. There's things I want to do that I'm probably not going to run out of time for in my life. You're going to think they're silly if I even mention them. But there's a lot of things I want to do. I want to try being a detective one day. I don't know if I'm going to get to that. But God's, yeah, I know. I can, I can list off a million other things. But even at that coffee shop dream that I have, if I don't get that, I'm not going to be sitting there moping around going, man, this new earth is really good and this new glorified body is great. But we miss out on nothing. This life is not all there is. 
Our calling is to be faithful, to seek first his kingdom, trust his limits. So Lord Jesus, show us which of these motivations have caused us to not embrace our limits. Can anybody say, yeah, approval and praise, that's been it for me sometimes? Okay, honest, good. How about ambition? How about being just greedy for experiences? I, I'm just, yeah, okay. Believing I need blank in order to be happy? How about envy? The hands start to get raised lower as we go down the list. They're like... <laughs> How about believing that this life is all there is, forgetting what we're getting in the future? All right. Can we stand? I know we're ending service differently than normal. Can we just stand? Before I hand it off to Rigo for a final benediction, I want to lead us in a prayer. And I want you to repeat this after me. Okay? Hopefully, you've been able to identify an area or two where, yes, 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 I need to embrace the gift of limits. God is good. So now let's just pray. And let's pray together. I want you to repeat after me. I'm going to have it on the screen. Let's just start here. Lord... Grant me contentment to embrace limits. Patience to wait for your timing. Wisdom to know which limits to embrace and which ones to push through. Jesus, it is because you died and rose again. It is because you put your spirit in us that we can pray these things with expectation that you will give us contentment, you will give us patience, and you will give us wisdom. Amen. Stay standing because we're about to dismiss. Pastor Rigo has a final benediction for us. Thank you, sir. So... I'm just trying to think from my personal life how to apply this. My prayer is that this week we really take time to see where those limits are and kind of take a snapshot of these things. For me especially, it's wisdom to know which limits to embrace and which ones to push through. Sometimes we can make an excuse and say, I don't think God wants me to stretch myself here because this is a limit. But having the wisdom to know that God's saying, no, I want you to push through this because I want a breakthrough in your life in this area. So having that discernment is key. So I pray this week we really take time to listen to him as we spend time in his presence and his word to, for him to give you discernment on what to push through, have a breakthrough in your life and versus what to have limits on, okay? Amen. So enjoy this week, guys. Be blessed. And whenever you see a detective movie, just remember, pray for Pastor Chris. Have a blessed week.